Welcome to the new Tradangelization. We're your hosts, Kevin and... Jacob, and at least I'm in my garage smoking the classiest pipe. I can't say anything about you, Kevin. Aquinas. And <laughs> Jacob actually lost Augustine. How dare he? So he screwed up our entire intro, so it's on you, Jacob, to find a new intro. It, look, um, it might still be in Fort Collins. Hey, we got to finish the intro. Um, but valid <laughs> oh, yeah, point. TNT. <laughs> we are the TNT, and our aim is to promote the TNT so that it can become <laughs> truly dynamic and be on the verge of exploding. Oh, man. The intro is so much more awkward when Augustine's not around. That's right. Because Augustine has to be the pessimist to Aquinas' optimism. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what's weird. funny is you know why that's funny because you're a nerd. That's why that's funny. I know I'm a nerd, and so are you. <laughs> but I wear it proudly. <laughs> you bet. Uh, so this episode, we are um, doing another trial episode where um, Jacob is in Lincoln and I'm in Kearney, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> Kearney. <laughs> Kearney. Uh, and <laughs> we are talking over the phone recording. Um, Jacob, what are we going to talk about this episode? Requiem Eternam. We are having a solemn pontifical high requiem mass at the Faldstuhl at the Newman Center, uh, one week from the recording date. Um, it's on April 17th, a Tuesday evening at 5.30 p.m. Um, what is a solemn pontifical high requiem mass at the Faldstuhl, you might say? <laughs> you might say. <laughs> I know you all are asking that exact question. <clears throat> Basically, it's a, it's a mass said by the bishop that has just so happens to be a requiem mass. Now, what is a requiem mass, Kevin, you might ask? <laughs> Please inform me. Gosh, we got to stop this now. But um, you got to stop. So, what are you talking about? We. <laughs> so a requiem mass is a um, it's a mass for the dead. And one thing that happens a lot with traditional masses is the name of the mass will frequently be the first word of the entrance antiphon or, or the introit or whatever you want to call it, the first variable part. So, for example, in December when we had the Rarate Mass, the only reason it was called Rarate was because the first Because word, it's my last name. Because it's your last name, Kevin Rarate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> but even just last week, some people call it Quasimodo Sunday because that those are the first two words of the introit. Or we have Laetare Sunday, we have Gaudete Sunday, we have the Rarate Mass, we have the Requiem Mass... A, a lot of these masses um, are, are simply just named after the first word or two of of the introite. And so if you were to translate it literally, it would just be rest mass. Like rest as in sleeping rest. Um, it would just be a rest mass. And that comes from the introite, Requiem eternam dona eis domine et lux perpetua luceat eis. That's eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. We all might be somewhat familiar with that prayer because that's a, a that's a prayer that's frequently prayed throughout uh, the requiem many times. Um, all the Gloria Patris are are exchanged for the requiem eternam prayer. A lot of the like the introit, the gradual, they're all requiem eternam, and so that's why it's named requiem or the requiem masses because um, 
that that variable requiem eternum donaeus domine etc is is a frequent uh, is a frequent verse that's used throughout the entirety of the mass. Yep. Uh, and so a, a couple little notes. One on the, the the idea of pontifical. What does that mean? Basically, this is a mass mass offered by a bishop, which is even more elaborate. Okay. <clears throat> um, when yeah. you look at the different sort of masses in the traditional in the traditional right traditional Roman right, there's low mass, there's high mass, and there's solemn high mass. And you can add pontifical to it when there's a bishop who's offering it. And then requiem is simply it's it's sort of like you know when there's Easter mass or there's a feast of a particular saint or something, or you can have mass for. Oh, I mean, there's, there's, if you go in your miss, there's mass for even like having good harvest. So, you know, people in Nebraska, they probably had some kind of like veto in the missile and they got that mass put in there. Um, so I felt like that was a slam. It may have been a slam. <laughs> no one's going to come now. It was a cow tip. That's what it was. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so, if you can't tell, I've lived in Nebraska now since last August, uh, and it's really, uh, it's really made an impact on me. Oh yeah, um, we made you country. You did. You did. <laughs> no, but so we got solemn, okay. pontifical, so, and high figured out. Okay, so we got pontifical, solemn, pontifical, high, and requiem. But yeah, we all know so what mass is. And, and, well, and I would also just add with requiem that it's for the dead. So like. It's really important we understand as Catholics, this is a segue into our favorite topic, which is polemical stuff, where we can just go mad trad all over the place. Um, uh, so we believe in purgatory as Catholics, and there's a whole doctrine behind that, and we can get into Carmelites and my favorite stuff. Um, but before <laughs> that, um, it's very important today to recognize why we'd have Mass for the Dead, uh, and that's because... We don't know someone's in heaven until they've been canonized by the church. Okay, that's that's when it becomes infallible. So, um, in our culture, basically, once someone dies, we say, "Oh, God rest their soul. I know they must be in heaven, looking down on me right now." Sometimes these are people who were not very faithful, or that is a very big understatement. We're not faithful at all, or even didn't believe in God, or lived extremely lukewarm lives, living in mortal sin. Um, now, that may have sounded very um, uh, gloomy. Um, I'm not saying that we believe they're in hell, because the church has not come out to say any certain individual is in hell. That's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> believe oh. me. Um, <laughs> oh, we could get roasty-toasty. Bring up Dude, let's get roasty Bishop Barron in this. Oh, boy. Uh, but that's, that'll be another episode. Um talking about purgatory, a lot of people, they, they want to canonize people as soon as they're, they're dead. So you, you even hear sometimes priests from the pulpit, which is really sad, say like, oh, they're in heaven right now. It's like, just to make us feel better. But actually, if we believe, if we really believe that our soul goes on after human death here in this life, this temporal life. Um, if we believe that we have eternal souls, we believe that there's hell, purgatory, and heaven. Um, and then, then, we actually care about the other person more than ourselves, then we're gonna we're not gonna make up some excuse to make ourselves feel more comfortable about it all. We're gonna think, what is their actual situation right now, and how can I help? Well, if they're in purgatory, then we believe that they need our prayers in order to be purged and to enter into heaven. So if that's the case, then to canonize someone would be counterintuitive if we actually care about them, because it would be saying, I 
believe they're in heaven, so I don't need to pray for them. And yeah, that's, that's dangerous. a weird place to be. That's and, a hard place to and, be. And St. John Vianney told people, don't tell others that I'm in heaven when I die. Because if you do that and I'm in purgatory, I could be suffering serious pains, like tragic pains, and I don't want that to happen. So that's a saint who told people that. How much more so for the common man? This is a guy who ate like a potato a day and slept on a log. Okay. <laughs> that's that's like that's how you describe St. John Miani, basically. Okay. Oh my gosh, if that's what it takes to be a saint, I'm already there. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin, are you familiar with uh <laughs> with uh, Justice Scalia. He was a Supreme Court justice, but he died, I believe, a year or two ago. Yeah, I think so. I, I vaguely so, I was in France during that time. I believe Okay. So his son is a his son's a priest and at his uh, at his funeral mass, his uh, um, his son was, you know, given the given the homily and was saying, We're all gathered here for one man. It was, it was a man who caused a lot of controversy. Some of you guys were close to him. Some of you not. Some of you guys had a very intimate relationship with him. Some of, like, he caused a lot of controversy. He made some people mad. A, you know, a lot of you really disagreed with him. Um, but we're still all gathered here because of him. And that man, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth. And <laughs> immediately just started talking about how we're here because of Jesus. We're here because of God. And we're here to give glory to God and to ask for the um like ask for the pardon of, of this person's sins ask for or uh, make reparation for for the um the soul of the dead and that's just such a beautiful uh that's such a beautiful gesture i think to to really come to a requiem mass with the intention of coming to worship god but with the specific intention to uh to make reparation for for the sins of the person who died, to pray for that per, for the person who died, whether it's a funeral or just a general requiem, that's just it's such a beautiful gesture, and I mean certainly a real banger when it came to a homily. <laughs> a real banger, a trap <laughs> banger. Um, yeah, and so it, it honestly sickens me when people just canonize someone at their death because, like, look, if you really care about them, let's pray for them, let's offer up suffering. Let's be serious about this. Let's let's reflect on our own life and the, the gravity of our life. Um, yeah, that's one thing I heard one time is <clears throat> is someone had died and and was urging people to pray a rosary for this person. I think it was the exactly two months after this person died or whatever. And they're just like, let's all pray a rosary for him. That that'll sure make him feel good in heaven. I'm just like, look, if he's in heaven, then a rosary isn't going to make him feel any better. Like he is. <laughs> he's if living divine case, ecstasy right now, bro. Oh yeah, he's got the beatific vision. Like a rosary is going to be table scraps. <laughs> well, God, so, God always uses our merits in some other way. We can believe that, but at the same time, yeah, yeah. yeah. So would you say, in short? When someone dies, assume purgatory. For practical purposes. For practical purposes, assume purgatory. That's my opinion. Okay. I mean, I, I agree, too. I, like, we should always hope for the salvation of every single person, but we should never presume that someone's been saved. And it's just the difference between despair and presumption. Amen. We should always hope that they were, uh, that they were saved, but we should never presume that they were where, uh, you know, that they've made it through their purgation unless the church has declared so. That's right. Um, yeah, for the most part, I'd say, yeah, just practically assume 
for the sake of just, am I going to pray for them or not? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray for them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, then coming down to like having, reflecting our lives with gravity, um, let's get a little trad toasty up in here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to read through the sequence. This is beautiful, but very, uh, <laughs> how would you describe it? Jacob? Um, it'll change your life. If you actually let it, it will change how you look at absolutely everything. And it's honestly kind of scary the first time you read it. If you read it in English and listen to the chant at the same time, mm-hmm. it and you let it, it will change your life. I mean, it's just incredible, but not if you just write it off as, as fire and brimstone, and not if you just write it off as that's just, you know, mad trad stuff. Like, give the DSRA a shot because it is unbelievable. It's, it's top ten best poems in the world. It, I mean, it is unbelievable yeah so what we're talking about so sequence that's one of the propers of the mass after the gradual and tract before it's for special masses so it's special times so for example easter has a sequence i think it's like the paschal sequence or something the There's victime other... pascali laudes ah man thank you mr bauer <laughs> and then <laughs> that was sarcastic <laughs> yay thanks for your input <laughs> again <laughs> i didn't mean to just try like that but sometimes it just slips out <laughs> um and or or like christmas I, I forgot what that one is but i'm pretty sure there's one for christmas so anyways it's called the diez ire um the day of wrath Sounds pretty, sounds pretty comforting, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll read some of it, the beginning and then maybe the end. <clears throat> day of wrath and doom impending, David's word with Sibyl's blending, heaven and earth and ashes ending. Oh, what fear man's bosom rendeth, when from heaven the judge descendeth, on whose sentence all dependeth. And then the end, it's, it's pretty long. Like I'm skipping, you know, probably 80, About 90% 18%. of it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, to thy right hand, do thou guide me when the wicked are confounded, doomed to flames of woe unbounded. Call me with thy saints surrounded. Lo, I kneel with heart submission. See like ashes, my contrition. Help me in thy last, it help me in my last condition. Ah, that day of tears and mourning, from the dust of earth returning, man for judgment must prepare him. Spare, O God, in mercy spare him. Lord, all pitying, Jesus blessed, grant them thine eternal rest. Amen. Oh, like, if any of you guys get a chance, definitely listen to the chant, and then listen to Mozart's rendition of it. It's terrifying. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a healthy sense. So here's here's how I think this all connects. Yeah, I spoke about this absolutely. a little bit for um, like for Ash Wednesday. This is a meditation for Ash Wednesday that basically we have um, – we, we need to just take seriously this life and like look from an, really an existential point of view of look, okay, life has suffering. Life, life is real. We're facing death. Um and either we can shirk that and live in a frivolous mindset, basically not taking life serious, or we can. And now that's not to say we don't have joyfully and we have joy or or uh, genuine humor or wit. Okay, I believe that that's a genuine part of human life. 
in my opinion. Okay, and then I then I would Aristotle and Saint Thomas Aquinas would agree to an extent, um, but it's all within the context of the gravity of life. Of there's serious like happiness is serious. Eternal happiness is very serious, and eternal death is very serious, and and that's what we're ultimately living for. And we need to open our eyes to that reality. And so when we go to a liturgy that is just inculcated with the reality of eternal rest, when you read this whole sequence and you listen to it, I'm going to pull up the the Dies Dies Irae right now, and you can hear a little bit of it. Um, it's powerful. Like this. Well, that's not what we want. <laughs> well, Kevin, we could uh, we could try to get a a recording. I can I can overlay it onto the audio. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll just yeah, just insert it right there. Cool. Um, <clears throat> I I'd have to say that my favorite line in uh in the DSRA is the third stanza. The mighty trumpet's wondrous tone shall rend each tomb's sepulchral stone and summon all before the throne. Now, granted, this is a different translation than what you than what you had. Like these translations are meant to rhyme, which I think is a little bit weird. Right. But quite literally, it's just saying the trumpet is going to sound throughout the entire world, and it's going to ring through every single tomb, and it's going to summon every single person before the throne of God. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so cool. And and I th so I think when we go to liturgy, when we go to mass, this is I mean this is seriously we're just, we're inculcated. We are surrounded with this reality. This is the this is where the cut where the, you know the bleep hits the fan and it's like okay, <laughs> um, we might have children watching. You might listen to it yes. again. Um and. Um, like, okay, we, there's no hiding. I mean, either you can just be distracted, sure, but, I mean, when you hear the Gregorian chant, when you see the, the candles, when you see the reverence of the, the Mass, when you see the, the, the catafalc, um, the, the, the coffin, you're, you're moved, and you're like, wow, okay, I'm going to reflect. What is the purpose of my life? What is the kind of life I want to live to enter into heaven and, and face the Lord, my judge, um, and live a purposeful, meaningful life and not just shirk responsibility and live. It's, it's, it's so common in our generation for people to just live and coast. Like, oh, you know, it's like the next year I'm just going to enjoy myself. It's 21, 22, 23 year olds and they become like these young men bachelors. And it's like, what are you doing with your life, bro? Do you have a purpose? Do you have a mission? Do you have anything? Or it's just like you're just trying to carpe diem, enjoy the, the most of the day. And, and it's not even with the idea of virtue. It's just for yourself. And, you know, if you're living on your own, you're not, you have no family, you're not entering a religious life, but you're not, you're just kind of like there, you know, there's something very off about that. And I don't think there's many, if any people who would really say when they reflect back on their life, when they're going to die, that they think that's, that's what a fulfilling life was like. And so this, oh, absolutely. so this kind of mash should open totally us up agree. to react that reality and apply it like, okay, what am I doing? Am I, am I truly prioritizing God? This is for good neocon mainstream bubbly catholics out there okay that sounded very rantish i'm sorry um, super rantish just there's but there is a certain sense of like not taking things seriously enough not prioritizing the interior life enough of like if this is honestly the most important thing then my interior life making sure i avoid occasions of sin you know the fear of the lord 
as as the beginning of wisdom. Um, avoiding those cases, learning discipline in my life to prioritize prayer, especially in the morning, um, and, and, and eliminating bad influences in my life, not filling my mind and my, my spirit with constant noise and constant gratification and constant conversation. And just there needs to be silence. There needs to be that openness to the Holy Spirit to purify us. And if we're not doing that, then we're not taking things seriously enough. And so this should be a real you know, shaking the boots in a way of, okay, I need to like, get back on track with that. Oh, yeah. No, I know that, like, probably the most edifying experience I have had in my life is watching my grandpa die. Because he died a holy death. I mean, he lived a holy life and died a holy death. <clears throat> and that was such a good thing for me to see because the next day I went to work, saw a bunch of guys just screwing around. And, I mean, not they weren't just, like, messing around and being goofy, but, I mean... There's, you know, sinful stuff, and I'm just like, I wonder if they know that they're going to die. And that was the only thing that was on my mind for, like, the next three days. I'm like, I'm going to die. And it was so cool. I mean, there's a new micro-movement going through the church right now called Memento Mori. And that's just, yeah. uh, it's Latin for remember death. And it's kind of morbid because, you know, the people... You know, the people who do this buy skulls and put it on, uh, and you know, buy a toy skull, like a plastic skull, not an actual one, and place it on their desk, and they meditate on their death every single day. And at first, that, that strikes, it strikes one as weird, but it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. Because watching someone die, I mean, it, you can't help but to meditate on your own death. And it reveals all of the, all the places that you aren't focusing on your death like if you really think about it in a way um you know don't take the sentence too literally but you ultimately live for your death like you have to get everything right for your death i mean obviously you live for your judgment so that you get judged well like god can have mercy on you but i mean that that's exactly what death is death is the moment of your judgment and so essentially you live for your death yeah this is the time of mercy then it's the time of judgment yeah. Oh, shoot. It's like one of my favorite homilies ever. <laughs> Reminds me of one. But I really do think that, like, a lot of people say Nerd. that they need to know Latin. <laughs> a lot of people say or think that they need to know Latin to understand the traditional Mass, but I think the only thing they really need to know is understanding that they are they, they need to be viewing their life from the standpoint of the, from the eternal. I, I you know, have told people this before, that... If you want to understand the traditional mass, don't learn Latin. Meditate on your own death and about how just the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, and meditate on the fact that, or meditate on how God deserves to be worshipped. Like Latin, yeah, you might be able to understand some of the words better, but you won't, like, all you really need to know to understand the traditional Latin mass is how does God deserve to be worshipped and where am I heading? Like, right. what's my death going to be like? What's my judgment going to be like? And I think if you get both of those, um, at least sufficient, not even sufficiently, I mean, just like minimally understood and you have a concept of it, I really do think that the traditional mass is something that um, I think makes a lot more sense regardless of how much Latin you know. Right. And so I want to put in here, so fear, there's there's filial fear and there's, oh, what's the other one? Um, reverential, filial, and servile. Servile, there it is. So... Um, servile fear would be basically like you're, you're afraid of this because of punishment. Okay. Like a slave who just does things because they don't want to get punished. And then filial 
well, reverential would be like, this is the king, the king is due his honor. And then filio would be, this is my father, I des- I, um, he is due respect in this way. Um, and I fear sinning against him. Um, and, and so, like a loyal fear. That's a fear that, that's the fear of the Holy Ghost. Um, <clears throat> at least in its, in its purest form. And, um, um, and it's, but I think it's important to recognize, okay, so it's kind of like the shock, you get that fear, but then it should lead us to reflect and then resolve, okay, what does that mean for my life? It means I need to live more charitably. And it also means I need to be purified and detached from many things in this world. Um, I, was, I said we we're going to talk later about what purgatory is. Purgatory is purgation. If you read what the mystics, um, but in, partic- in particular John of the Cross, St. John of the Cross says, um, he talks about basically the, the, the stages in the spiritual life, the interior life, as going through basically purgatory uh, here on earth, in where the soul is stripped. You, he says, you know, one little attachment is enough to keep the soul grounded. From flying in, in contemplation, basically, meaning uh, he says it's, it's like to a, a bird that's strung to a cord. Um, even if the cord isn't like super strong, it's enough to keep the bird um, grounded. And, and so we have to be totally stripped of all our attachments to our pride, to gluttony, to um, to spiritual attachments, to our reputation, to our opinions, and all those things. To not be overly concerned with these things, be able to let them go when they when they are gone. Um, and, and so like, that's, that's what purgatory is going to be. It's attachment, to all these things to be made perfect in charity. That's what we have to, we have to grow in perfect charity. And, um, so that's what this, when we get the shock factor of fear, like it's supposed to make us reflect I'm like, okay, I need to really reprioritize, recognize this shock to my, okay, what do I do now? Reprioritize, make that the prior, what do, what do I have to do in my life? What decisions do I have to make to set up systems in my life so that this is going to be the priority? Because when you're in the moment, you're going to have too weak of a will. Jacob and I have talked about this is trying to be disciplined in your life. Like, how am I going to schedule my day? How am I going to make time for the right things? How am I actually going to waste time? Um, and you can't just rely purely on your willpower in the moment to like, okay, I'm not going to go spend two hours on the internet at this time, or I'm not going to, um, I don't know, go talk to these people or just about random stuff for three hours and waste my day. But how am I, um, how am I going to, um, actually set up systems in my life so that it's not just a matter of in the moment is it up to my willpower because we're weak human beings. It takes humility to be able to recognize I'm weak. I need to have a plan in place already. So like, for example, don't have snacky foods in your house. For you could have if you if you're someone who eats too much like you could you go and snack at midnight and have a bunch of like brownies and stuff like that like don't have brownies in your house you know just have food or or have it locked up or something like that or make it hard to get to or something like that so that you in advance you're saying look my intention is really not to do this I may fall in weakness but my intent is really not to do this so someone who's struggling with pornography for example get the laptop out of your house of your your room get the phone out of your room something like that like be be realistic it takes humility to do that and so this is coming back to how do i need how can i set up my life in a way that is going to direct me to this detachment so that i really recognize the gravity of this purification that we have to go through to grow in perfect charity and i would even say that don't just aim for well i'm trying to i'm trying to get to we want to strive for perfection but also don't assume that well i'm already in heaven so like i'm good enough you know this is also a very important time to reflect of you know, we do not want to assume we're even going to make it to purgatory. Like we want to 
in total hope in God, we 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 can hope for that. But it's it's because of His mercy. But we do not presume on that. Um, and I'll I'll let you go in a second, Jacob. But um, basically, what the the one thing that has helped me a lot is I've actually found it a purification to let go of that control of my own salvation in a way. Um, is the the act of hope. Now, I'm not, I don't mean that in a Lutheran sense, but in a Catholic sense, we still do believe it's all through the grace of Jesus Christ that's transforming us that we cooperate with. Uh, that's another conversation. Um, so yeah, that, <laughs> that's a long one. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm just going to write that down so we do that later. Um, but so the act of, of hope goes like this. O Lord God, I hope by your grace for the pardon of all my sins and afterlife here to gain eternal happiness because you have promised it. For infinitely powerful, faithful, kind, and merciful. In this hope, I intend to live and die. Amen. Very powerful, very purifying, because it's you're saying it's all because of your mercy that this is going to happen, that I'm going to be transformed and I'm going to be able to enter into that. Um, and that's very um, Theresean in the St. Therese of Lisieux sense. Yeah. Well, even from like a practical point, <clears throat> I know that um, one, of, one of the bigger... Uh, critiques, I suppose, <clears throat> of the Requiem is that it's too sad and too mourning. And I know we've talked about how there are a lot of times where at, where at funerals family members are canonizing and there's so much of an emphasis on there in heaven now. But in a very real sense, like, we should be sad. And I heard this really, really good point from a friend basically just saying that, um, because I was telling him, yeah, the Requiem is a little bit more uncomfortable than the, than you know, than what you would normally get most of the time. You know, a lot of times you'd get a lot more comforting of a liturgy. And he's just like, oh, no, Requiem is way more comforting because it's actually bidding you to mourn when you should be mourning. I mean, you just lost a loved one, and you should be mourning, and you should be sad. And <clears throat> the liturgy shouldn't necessarily be telling you, don't cry, be happy. <laughs> and that was, I think, such a good point that if you, you know, at this requiem or any requiem feel sad feel down maybe even feel a little bit depressed about it that's okay that's probably a good thing to be feeling um because that's exactly what the liturgy is bidding you to feel and i think that it does such a beautiful job at um at really conveying uh that sentiment i know that um the fraternity they just released their requiem album in the summer i believe it was in may Wow, it was almost a year ago. Oh, boy. And it's one of the best albums I've ever heard. If you just listen to it, start to finish, it's absolutely incredible because they sing the normal chants of the Requiem. And so the the first one is just a really beautiful chant, I'm guessing, as they bring the coffin to the church. And then the, the second track is just the tolling of the bell, and it's just 50 seconds of a bell getting rung once every eight or nine seconds. I mean, it's just so moving. It's so moving. Yeah. It's not something that you listen to that goes, wow, today's going to be a good day. This really lifts my spirits. But it really puts you into a very accurate mood. Yeah, existential. It's like recognizing existential reality we're facing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so good. So if you get a chance, um, listen to anything from from the fraternity's requiem album because that's actually exactly what it is, what is going to be the music i mean the fraternity of saint peter their uh, seminary in 
just outside of Denton, Nebraska, they're sending their Scola to team up with actually the UNL uh, Newman Center Choir to have a skull or to have a choir, I suppose, to be proper. But um, yeah, it's going to be the same people who who recorded the Requiem album. I mean, not the same exact people, but I mean, it's going to be the same group that recorded the Requiem album that spent 13 weeks at the top of the classical charts. No big deal. Um, not much of a battleground genre, but. but <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, that's, so that's going to be a really big thing with the Requiem is that the, it is supposed to convey a sentiment of sadness and almost dreadfulness in uh, in a reverent way. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about um, the details of the mass, like who will be there and timing and all that? Yeah. So it'll be five thirty p.m. to five thirty p.m. on a Tuesday evening, Tuesday, April seventeenth, at the chapel in the Newman Center in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the Mass will be offered by His Excellency Bishop Robert Finn. He was from uh, Kansas City until he retired. The assistant priest, this is crazy, the assistant priest is Father Joseph Bissig, FSSP. He is actually the founder of the Fraternity of St. Peter. He was the one that met with Pope John Paul II, started um, Fraternity of St. Peter with Pope John Paul II. Saint Pope John Paul II, mind all of you. Um, and uh, Father Bizig was actually the first uh, superior general of the fraternity of St. Peter. He currently lives at the seminary just outside of Denton, and he's going to be the assistant priest at the Mass. Um, further, we're going to have our local FSSP, the FSSP rector as the deacon. We're going to have, um, and then the deacon, subdeacon, MC, or sorry, the subdeacon and the MC are going to be uh, FSSP deacons or seminarians, and then we're going to have eight <laughs> UNL students altar serving, each with their own individual role. We actually had um, a couple students from UNL build the catafalque um, in the in the same style as the catafalque uh, that is in Rome at the FSSP's head church. It's really, really beautiful. It's actually sitting here in my garage with me. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's like caressing it right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's my you baby. can't even see me. <laughs> uh, no, I just don't like to leave the garage door open because then, they, then they're then they going to see a coffin in here and people might start thinking things. <laughs> <laughs> they might start... They might start what? Thinking things? They might may, may start thinking things, but... <laughs> <laughs> they already think things, Jacob. <laughs> Yeah, when you open the open the door to my house, there's like a four foot crucifix. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, those are the general details of the mass. It'll be <clears throat> what eight, ten, twelve. Uh, there'll be fifteen people in the sanctuary, just as essential people between the bishop, the assistant priest, the deacon, subdeacon, the eight altar servers, and another deacon that's just going to kind of be picking up odds and ends every now and then um <clears throat> yeah it's gonna be a pretty big deal <clears throat> yeah well i actually talking about mass i actually have to go to mass in a minute um but i want to close with the reading from the mass of all souls day um mass for the dead <clears throat> a mass for the dead at least um it's from um corinthians 15 51 through 57 Brethren, behold, I tell you a mystery. 
We shall all indeed rise again, but we shall not all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall rise again incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And when this mortal hath put on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that, that sums it up right there. It's when you can enter into the gravity of, of this life, then that just makes a resurrection all the more freaking insane and amazing. So happy you Easter to everyone. You can only see the stars if it's dark at night. The That's darkness right. is the only way you can see the stars. And so the darker the like the darker Good Friday is, the brighter Easter Sunday is. And so like, yeah, let but, this, yeah, let it bring you to a, even a, maybe even a sad place. Amen. But it's a really beautiful thing. Amen. Without getting well, melancholic though. Melancholy is yes. always bad. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Or don't get sad trad on us. Yeah. Don't go sad trad. Don't go mad trad. Just be a... Uh, Glad trad. There we go. TNT. Uh, dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> All right, Jacob. Well, you shall please? we, Kevin? We shall. Ite podcast est. Deo gracias. Actually, you don't say that in the Requiem Mass. Shoot. It's... No, you don't. Requiem Ace. Requiem Donais. Oh, what is it? Donais Requiem. And then I just said, Amen. 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 Well, <laughs> there, it podcast there it is. <laughs>